Well, good morning and welcome once again to the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. It is a beautiful, if not a little on the warm side, Sunday morning out there. So it is great to have all of you here with us this morning. Uh, before we get into this morning's message, just a couple of things that I wanted to throw out there for you guys. First of all, I want to thank everyone who came out yesterday uh, to help with our service opportunities. Uh, we had one group that was over at Brian Fouch's house helping him load up his U-Haul truck. And then we had another group over here at the preschool that was helping to paint some lines and work on the garden and try to get the school kind of freshened up and ready for their opening day, which is coming very soon. Sorry, kids, but school's about to start again. Um, so we just want to thank you for all of you who came out to help with those two projects. Your help was greatly, greatly appreciated. And last but not least, of course, I want to remind everybody that we will not have a Summer in the Psalms tonight, but our last Summer in the Psalms will be actually next Sunday night, and we'll have some treats for you as we kind of celebrate the end of our Summer in the Psalms. But if you've been with us, we want to encourage you to continue to come out for Summer in the Psalms, and if you haven't, this is your last chance to catch one of the Summer in the Psalms lessons before we wrap it up for the summer. So I want to invite all of you out next Sunday evening at 6.30. Um, this morning, we are going to continue with our series on the one another's. And if you were with us last Sunday, we talked a lot about judging one another. Um, and that can be some difficult things that a lot of us have to wrestle with. And today's is going to be talking about not speaking against one another. And you're going to find as we work our way through this, and as what Floyd just read for us, this concept of speaking against one another goes right into judging one another. That's why I put these two together purposely, because when we speak against one another, we're speaking judgment against that person. And as we talked about last week, that's bad, right? We don't want to do that. So today we're going to think through and we're going to talk through what James has to say about how we talk to one another and more importantly, how we talk about one another. Now, as we get ready to open up this lesson, I want you to think about some of the different ways that we talk about one another, whether that's in a face-to-face, -face, whether that's behind someone's back, whether that's on social media or even through our prayer life, how do we speak about one another? That's what I really want to focus on today. Now, you'll find, and you may find this as interesting as I do, that, that James, when he writes his letters, he's a little more straightforward than Paul. Paul tends to do kind of a, a, a little bit, at times, warm and fuzzier approach, and James takes a more of a, sometimes we got to punch him in the mouth approach. And you'll see, and I want you to pay attention to this as we read through the scripture today, that James's language is a little different than Paul's. It's a little bit more straightforward. It's a little bit more to the point. And I want you to pay attention to that as we go through and think about how that differs from what we've talked about the last couple of weeks. So what is our big idea for today? That's that we should speak to and about one another as children of God. And that's what I really want you to focus on today, is do we speak about one another? Do we speak to one another as children of God, as those who are living in the Holy Spirit, as those who are living out our spiritual gifts? That's what I want to think about today as we dive in. Now, we're going to kind of make a whirlwind tour of the book of James today. Um, so if you have your Bibles, you're going to want to open up to James chapter 1 to start with, but we're going to hit uh, a couple of different chapters this morning as we go. But I want to start with... Just a quick reminder for us, and that's the golden rule. And I think that we all know the golden rule, and I think that those both inside of the church and outside of the church know the golden rule, but what a lot of people don't realize is where that golden rule comes from. And it comes from right here in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12. And it always amazes me how many people have no idea that the golden rule came from the Bible. 
You have no idea where that golden rule came from. And what you'll find is a lot of the things that we still say today and a lot of the sayings that we have and the sayings that we commonly use actually came from the Bible. And I think it's important as we, as we dive into this concept of speaking about one another is this idea of doing to others, right, as we would want them to do to us. Now, that can be a little bit challenging sometimes. Because we can all probably think of a time in our lives when, when somebody just spoke positivity and spoke life into us and how that made us feel. And then we can think of a time where maybe somebody spoke negatively either to us or behind our backs and how that made us feel. And it's quite a dichotomy of feelings. So let's jump into James chapter 1 and we're going to start in verse 26. And James kind of comes out of the gate swinging here. He says, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Again, James speaks a little differently than Paul. He doesn't really mince any words here. He basically says, look, if you're professing to be a Christian and you don't keep a tight rein on your tongue, then your religion is worthless. Basically, you're not living into the spirit. You're not living into being a Christ follower. So he doesn't mix any words right here in chapter one. Let's see what he has to say in chapter two. If you would flip over to James chapter two, and we're going to look at verses 12 and 13. So again, James 2, 12 and 13 says, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Verse 13 continues and says, Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So again, this is kind of a callback to what we talked about last week when we talked about it's not our place to judge. Right? It's not our place to judge. And James is reminding us of that and saying, look, if you're going to judge others, if you're going to talk about others and cast judgment on them, then you're going to be treated in the exact same way. And that can be kind of a difficult one to swallow. It can be a difficult one to swallow because we know who the one real true judge is. And we're going to be responsible for our actions one day. And we're going to have to give an account for those actions. And that includes the way that we treated others and the way that we speak to and about our brothers and sisters. As I mentioned, this is a whirlwind tour through James. So we're going to go ahead and flip over to James chapter 3. So one more chapter up, chapter 3, and we're going to spend our time in verses 2 through 10. And it says, we all stumble in many ways. It says, anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Now, I don't know about you, but this verse hits me kind of hard, right? Because I'm definitely not perfect. And I would venture to guess that nobody in this room is perfect, because we know there was only one perfect person, right? And that's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he's basically saying, look, we all stumble in many ways. And anyone who's never at fault, they say, is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. And I love that because this is a powerful verse because that's a very, very challenging thing to do. But if we go ahead and move on to verses 3, he, he starts to give us some context here. He starts to give us some examples, some things that hopefully we can all relate to to understand what he's talking about. He says, when we put... When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, then we can turn the whole animal. 
Now, for those of you who didn't grow up in the country like I did in the middle of a cornfield, maybe you didn't grow up around horses, maybe you've never even ridden a horse, maybe a merry-go-round is the closest thing you've come to riding a horse, but basically a horse has a bit in its mouth and it's basically a piece of metal that is in their mouth that has a rein coming off of each side and that's, how, that's one of the ways that you kind of control the horse. And as you can imagine, when you pull on one side of that rein and it yanks that bit to the side, the horse is most likely going to go in that direction. And that's exactly what he's saying here. And I love this because James doesn't just give us this one example, but he gives us multiple examples. But what he's talking about is the mouth makes the entire horse do what you're asking it to do. And I think that there's some very powerful imagery in that. He takes it a step further in verse 4 and says, Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Now, for those of you who may not be familiar with ships, or may, maybe you've never been sailing, or maybe you've never spent time around boats, I wanted to show you this picture. And this picture is of a very large container ship, much like the ones we see at the Long Beach Harbor all the time. And these are the kind of ships that they take those big, the big cargo boxes off of the back of trucks or off of trains and they load them onto a ship. But what I want to point out to you is, if you look at the very back of the ship, that little tiny piece that's sticking down behind the propeller is the rudder. Now, I don't know about you, but when I look at that, it's hard to believe that that one little piece can steer this giant, massive, ridiculously heavy ship. But that's exactly what James is telling us. He's telling us that just like the rudder of the ship, our mouth, our tongue, the things that we say are steering the direction that we're going. And it goes where the pilot wants it to go. Now, I think that's powerful because it's talking about you get to choose the direction. The words that you choose, the things that you say, the way that you speak to others is going to choose the direction, and only you have control of that. Only you have control of that. I can't control how you talk. Your husband or wife can't control how you talk. They can try. But at the end of the day, they can't control the things that you say. Only we can control that. And just like this massive ship, we're in control. Verse 5 says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Now, unfortunately, this is one that we here in California know a little too well, right? We know all about forest fires, and it takes the smallest little spark. Now, sometimes, unfortunately, that's our own carelessness because someone has thrown a match or a cigarette or whatever the case may be. But other times, all it takes is two little sticks rubbing together from the wind to start a massive fire. And we know how quickly, right, that those fires can spread. And we've even seen, as recently as just a few months back, where two fires, right, came together and joined forces to create a massive fire. I love this imagery of the fire. Because that's exactly how it is for us. All it takes is one thing that we say about someone to someone else to start a fire. That's all it takes. And all it takes is that person and the other person combining, just like the two fires, to create a massive fire. 
something that you say in passing to someone in a negative manner about your brother or sister can spread like wildfire. Now let's look at the flip side of that coin, right? Because there's always another side to that coin. What if we take that on the opposite side and we speak positivity about our brother and sister? Couldn't we create that same fire in a positive manner? You know, it goes back to that whole thing of, let's say you go to a restaurant and you get really bad service. What do you do with that? You tell everybody that'll listen to you about the terrible service you got at that restaurant. Don't ever go to that restaurant. They are terrible. Our server didn't take care of us. The food was bad. The service was slow. But what do we do when we have a great experience at a restaurant? We maybe tell one or two people. But when we have a bad experience, we blast it all over the internet, we tell 10 people, and that tends to spread. But see, that's what we have to be careful of. We have to be careful of spreading that negativity about one another, and let's spread the positivity about one another. See, that's what this whole acting in the spirit, that's what this whole acting out of love is all about. We love our brothers and sisters. We don't want to talk negatively about them. And yes, do we make mistakes? Of course we do. Do we do stupid things? Of course we do. But see, that's where when you're truly a family of believers is your understanding and your loving. You don't go tell everybody that can listen that, hey, brother so-and-so did this. Hey, sister so-and-so did this. See, we don't do that because we create these wildfires because that spreads and people just love to spread negativity and they love to spread gossip. But see, we got to be better than that. As children of God, we've got to be better than that. And that's exactly what James is trying to tell us. If you continue with me in verse 6, it says, the tongue also is a fire says, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, set the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Here we see James, once again, not mincing any words. He's telling it like it is. But you can hear the passion in his voice as he talks about this. And as he talks about how dangerous the tongue can be. And we don't know exactly what James was addressing, but he's being very clear that there was something going on in the early church where they were talking poorly about one another, where they were slandering one another, that he needed to address it in a very, in my opinion, kind of aggressive manner. Let's look at verse 7. It says, All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. Verse 8 says, But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. See, again, he's giving us this imagery that we can train animals. And we've seen this. You've, you've been to zoos. You've been to animal shows. They train birds and lions and tigers and bears, oh my, and all this other stuff, right? And you've been to SeaWorld, and they train whales and dolphins and, and all manner of sea creatures. And what he's saying is, look, we can do that but yet we can't control our own tongue. We can't control our own tongue. And see, that leads to all of these problems. 
We've got to learn to tame our tongues. And this can be a hard thing to do. I've had people tell me this is one of the hardest things for them because everybody likes a good story, right? Everybody likes that juicy story. Everybody wants to hear that and they're so anxious to spread that. But again, we've got to be better than that. Verse 9 says, with the tongues we praise our Lord and Father. And with it we cause human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Verse 10, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. See, again, we're talking about this dichotomy, right? We're we're talking about how when we are Christians and we sit here on a Sunday morning and we praise God and we talk about how amazing God is and we thank God for all the things that he's done in our lives and then we walk out the door and we talk about each other and we talk about others and we break others down and we do things that are hurtful to other people came across this quote as I was as I was preparing for today and I I think it's really kind of a cool story and some of you will have heard of this before Uh, a gentleman by the name of Alexander the Great who is considered one of the uh, premier military minds in history around 4 uh, BC and the story goes that Alexander the Great couldn't sleep one night so he decided to go out for a walk amongst the troops And as he's out on his walk amongst the troops, he finds one of his soldiers who is on guard is asleep. Now, you may think, oh, that's not that big a deal. It's the middle of the night. Of course the guy's asleep. But the penalty for falling asleep on the job was that you could be killed on the spot. See, this was not acceptable. You had a very important role in keeping everyone else safe, and you have failed on that role. So the story goes that Alexander the Great approaches this soldier and he says, soldier, what's your name? And the guy says, Alexander, sir. Alexander the Great looks at him and says, soldier, what's your name? And the guy says, Alexander, sir. And he asks him a third time. He says, soldier, what's your name? And the soldier says, have mercy on me. I was actually named after you. That's why I was named Alexander. And Alexander the Great comes up with this quote and says, well, then you either need to change your name or change your conduct. We call ourselves Christians. We've got to live into that every single day. Because if we're not going to live into that, if we're not going to be Jesus followers, if we're not going to emulate Jesus, if we're not going to share Jesus with others, then we've either got to change our name or change our conduct. We've either got to live into what it means to be a Christian and all of the things that go along with that, or we need to stop calling ourselves Christians. Alexander the Great hit it right on the head. You either got to change your name or change your conduct. And see, I think that's a great reminder for us sometimes. And again, we, we all make mistakes. That's not what we're talking about here. But I think this is a great reminder for us. Sometimes we need to stop and take a look at the life that I'm living, the things that I'm doing. And am I living into that idea of Christians? Am I being a good example to others of what a Christian looks like? Or do I need to change my conduct? 
that can be a hard pill to swallow. That can be a hard pill to swallow. And again, like we talked about a few, a few verses back, we're not talking about perfection because none of us can be perfect. But what we're talking about is are we doing our best to live as a Christian? Are we doing our best to be a Christ follower? Are, do, are we doing our best that when we walk out of here on Sunday mornings that other people see us as a Christ follower and that's in a positive manner? Are we doing like that last scripture says? We're praising God out of one side of our mouths and cursing in the other. We're praising God out of one side of our mouths and then slandering others out of the other side of our mouth. See, we can't have it both ways. It's that whole you can't have your cake and eat it too thing, right? Which is a ridiculous saying because if I have cake, I'm eating it. I think that's fairly obvious. But it's the idea that we've got to live into this. And part of living into this is loving each other. And when you love each other, you don't want to hurt each other. When you love each other, you don't want to talk bad about each other. And it can be easy to do, and I get it. I've done it too. We've all done it. I'm not pointing fingers. But let's talk about each other in love. Let's build each other up, not tear each other down. Because, see, this should be like we talked about last week. This should be a place where you can come, and we're all on the same team. And you don't have to worry about the things that we have to worry about outside. See, outside, when you go to work, or when you go to school, or when you're a part of a team, you have no control over what people do or what people say about you. I know before I, I went into ministry full-time, I worked in sales. And you talk about people that will say whatever it takes and do whatever it takes, try working in commission-only sales. Because I promise you, people will say whatever it takes and they will do whatever it takes to make a buck or to make themselves look better than you. And they're not above saying, oh, you won't believe what this guy did. Oh, you won't believe what that guy said. Because they want the money and they want the promotion. And unfortunately, we don't have any control over that. But when it comes to our church, and when it comes to our church family, this is the place we shouldn't have to worry about that kind of stuff. I shouldn't have to worry about after I leave here today that somebody's going to be talking bad about me, that somebody's going to be talking bad about my family, that someone's trying to make me look bad. See, I shouldn't have to worry about that. This should be a safe place where I can come and know that everyone has my best interest at heart, that everyone wants the best for me. So see, we have to not only live into that, but we've got to be the ones to do that. See, we've got to be the ones to show that love to each other. We've got to be the ones to make this a safe space where you can come when you need help, when you need to talk, when you need prayer. See, that's what a family is all about. That's why we come together, so that we can be the family of God. We're going to skip ahead to verse, uh, chapter 4, excuse me, chapter 4. As I mentioned, we're hitting four different chapters today. So chapter 4, verse 11 and 12 continues with this idea. It says, brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Again, James is pretty straight and to the point here. Do not slander one another. And of course, slander is when you talk about someone with the intent of making them look bad or to call their character into question. It says, anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. 
Verse 12, this is the only, there is only one law giver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Again, this, this goes right back to what we talked about last week with this idea of judging. Because see, when you talk negatively about someone, when you say, oh, brother so-and-so, they're just not a good Christian because they don't do this, because they don't come to church enough, because they don't give enough, because they don't do X, Y, Z enough, you're casting judgment on that person. And guess what? You're going to be judged by the way that you judge. We, we fleshed that out last week. We're going to be judged by the way that we judge. And when we talk negatively about each other, we're judging each other. We're basically saying, look, God, I can do your job. I, I can judge people. I got this. I don't need you to do it. And that's exactly what these two verses are saying. It's not your job to judge others because you're taking that responsibility into your own hands and it doesn't belong to you. I want you guys to think about a time. I want you to think about a time when somebody really poured in to your life. When somebody spoke positive words of affirmation. When somebody took the time to sit down with you, to build you up, to make you feel good about yourself. Or even better, you went to somebody else and talked to about a third person in a positive manner. You've done that. You go to somebody and they say, hey, I heard some great things about you. How did that make you feel? How did it make you feel to hear, hey, such and such told me great things about you? It makes you feel good, right? It makes you feel great. When somebody recognizes your hard work, how does that make you feel? It makes you feel good. Isn't that how you not only want to feel, but how you want to make others feel? See, this ties right back to the golden rule. It feels good. One of the love languages is words of affirmation. It's one of mine. My wife will tell you that. It feels good when somebody says, hey, you're doing great. Keep doing great. I admire you because you are good at this. It makes us feel good. And that's how, that should be how we want to make others feel. And let's look at the flip side of that coin. What about that time when somebody tore you down and said, you're nothing, you're worthless, you're terrible? Or even worse, they went behind your back. And you hear it from a third party. Hey, I heard you did this. Hey, I heard you're having some marital problems. Hey, I hear you got fired from your job. How did that make you feel? It made you feel about this big, right? It made you feel about this big. You don't want to feel that way. And hopefully, and I pray, you don't want to make others feel that way. Because it felt terrible. And our job, our responsibility as a church family is to build each other up. To speak positive. To speak encouraging words to one another. And see, when we do that... It makes us feel good. And hopefully, when somebody makes us feel good, then we want to do that same thing to somebody else. And we just start this chain of positivity. And we start that wildfire of positivity and blessings to one another. If we don't speak positively 
about each other here, how are we ever going to be that close family that God desires us to be? How are we ever going to be that family when we're divided and when we're talking about each other? How can we be that family? I believe we can't. We got to speak words of encouragement. We got to speak positivity and not talk about each other behind our backs. So how do we do that? We build each other up. Maybe you need to change your name. And I mean that in the positive way. Don't take that in the negative way. I'm not saying you should say, I don't want to be a Christian anymore because my conduct doesn't back that up. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying maybe you need to ask yourself that question. Do I need to change my name or change my conduct? And of course, my prayer is that if you need to change your conduct, that you'll simply change your conduct and you'll live into that name, that badge of honor that we wear of being a Christian. And maybe we need to change our actions. Maybe we've gotten hung up in this hole, talking about each other, this gossiping behind each other's back, this idea of slandering each other. Maybe we've gotten caught up in that. And maybe it's time to say, look, i got to stop doing that. Because I'm not building people up. I'm tearing people down, and I don't want to do that anymore. We've got to set a fire, the good kind of fire. Be, be the one that starts the fire. Be that spark that starts the fire in a positive way. Tell somebody you love them. Tell somebody you care about them. Thank them for getting up here and giving a scripture reading or doing communion or saying a prayer or leading singing. Let's talk about each other in a positive way. Let's love on one another and let's spread that and let's just start that fire positive instead of tearing each other down in a negative way this morning in just a moment skeeter is going to come up and lead us in the song of invitation and and maybe you, you you've never had that chance to light that fire in your soul and accept jesus christ as your lord and savior you have a chance to do that this morning it's an amazing moment that'll change your life forever but you have a chance to come forward, to be baptized for the remission of your sins, to receive that gift of the Holy Spirit, and to pledge your life to Christ. I promise you there's no better feeling in the world. Or, or maybe you've, you've, you're, in that, you're, you're like the soldier that fell asleep. Maybe it's time to change your name or change your actions. If you want to come forward this morning, myself and the elders are available. We would love to talk to you. We would love to pray for you. We would love to help you in any way that we can as we stand together and as we sing. A common love for each other, a common gift to the Savior, a common bond holding us to the Lord, a common strength when Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, it was truly a blessing to be here this morning and hear your word spoken. Thank you so much for, for Aaron's words and for speaking through him, Father, and just speaking to us and speaking to our hearts. 
Help us to not be judgmental. Help us to be patient with each other as you're patient with us, Father. Be with us as we go through this week and help us to be a light to all those that we meet. Help us to be encouraging. Help us to be uplifting. And most of all, help us to uplift you. This is our prayer in your son's name. Amen. Amen.